Hello, lover. Hey, man. How are you? Okay. So the video, the audio sounds good. Start video. Bam. Started. Hey, man. It's good to see you, dude. What's up, dog? Man, not a lot. Um, we're we're going uh, to be starting back some classes on May 4th. I'm excited about that. Oh, shoot. Don't tell nobody. I know. Well, we got the order to, uh, like, no physical contact. I mean, we wouldn't mm-hmm. we wouldn't do anything like that. No, 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 for sure. Yeah, but I mean, we're gonna be shadow boxing and some different well, stuff and some classes. I think I'm just gonna start an open rebellion against the government personally. Man, uh, you, you know, there's the Michigan thing going on, and then there's the Rice Brothers Rebellion out in California. I like to call I like that the Rice Brothers Rebellion. Hold, please. Hold just one moment, please. Yes, sir. Wash my love. Wash my love. Okay, I'm ready now. Excellent. I'm gonna switch this gallery view real quick. All right, man. Well, I'll go ahead and give us a lead in and uh, do it, boss. I'm ready. Yeah. All right. Okay, Jiu-Jitsu Unraveled here with B Mac, and uh, you know, let's go ahead and just say that it's Brandon McCatherine. That is correct. You pronounced it correctly. A lot of people don't know that little known fact. That's a, a very unknown fact. Eddie says McCaffron. Everybody, a bunch of people say it with a P. But I don't know how it got a P in it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was, I was calling you a few different things before um, we trained together when you came into school. I've definitely been called a few different things. <laughs> oh man well uh you know it's uh it's it's great uh getting to sit down with you and uh and do some podcasting man i follow you like crazy um it's awesome getting to train with you when you came in and uh man i got uh i got some cool stuff i was wanting to talk to you about but dude i know that you told me that story about you pooping your pants the first time you trained martial arts well, uh, no, close. Almost, first MMA, my right? First tournament. I almost pooped in my first tournament. That's a different story. You're talking about when I got the crap beat out of me, literally. Yeah, like, first, my first MMA class, yeah. But I didn't actually complete the pooping. There was just a near pooping. Yeah. Man. Very near. Rough. But, you know, like, how did you, how did you get your start in martial arts? Like, I know – and then you end up being a black belt under you know one of the most influential guys and you know you're you're an influential guy yourself now um well i just got started because i was a um, what's the word thicker than a snicker i was a little fat chunk <clears throat> and my wife made me start she's like hey listen um she sat me down on the couch and she goes listen you're getting a little uh unhealthy I didn't get married so I could be a widow for the last 20 years of my life. So I signed us up for martial arts classes. I said, okay. So we started together and that's how it got started. I really, I didn't have any aspirations towards like being a fighter or being a champion. Or I just thought it was something fun. Like we like to watch the UFC. And so we picked martial arts and, and I wasn't going to go to the gym or eat right. We had determined that that was not going to happen. So uh, we got to do something. So she picked up uh, and we didn't have Brazilian jiu-jitsu directly. Like we, there was grappling and MMA there, but it was a Tung Soo Do school, which was fun. We got our black belts in Tung Soo Do also together. But um, during the process, I just fell in love with jiu-jitsu. That was the part that I love martial arts, but I'm obsessed with jiu-jitsu and I can't pay attention to anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, see, that's like, I remember you telling that kind of, you, you kind of went into a traditional martial art and then at some point you made the jump over to jujitsu, but you didn't have it at the beginning. How long did you do Tang Sudo before you found a grappling art school? Well, we never stopped Tang Sudo. We started and like, so we went to this place called Webster's Karate, which was, it's still here in town. Well, I, I don't know if it's still here in town everything. I don't know if anything's still here in town no more. Everything's going to be closed up. Who knows, man? But uh, 
assuming everything goes back to normal, Jamie Webster is still kicking strong over there, no pun intended. Uh, good dude, incredible martial artist, solid grappler, but he wasn't ranked in Brazilian jiu-jitsu at the time, right? But he was like, you know, dude, you flip through Kung Fu Magazine and there's one of the Gracies showing a guillotine, you know what I'm saying? And so he'll pick that up and bring it in. And he was into fight. He liked to watch fighting, big Hickson fan. So, and then we knew Carlos Machado by proxy, like through somebody else that was ranked under Carlos. And so we had gotten to spend some time, even though we weren't his students, we'd gotten to spend some time with him a couple of times and got to train with him and all that kind of stuff. And so we were fully aware of the power of jujitsu. We just didn't have anybody standing over us day to day, like helping guide the process. So it was a real like long, um, learn something, bring it home, try it for a month, find somebody else to teach you because YouTube start, I think YouTube didn't start until like 2006. I think it was the first year that they had YouTube. Well, that was the first year that I started martial arts too. So there wasn't a lot of inf like free information like there is now like now you could almost like not even need a teacher you know but um how old know. were you when you started when you started training 20 i think it was about to turn 26 so i was 25 Lindsay was 25 it was a new year's resolution you know everybody always bags on new year's resolutions but like i that's what started my, uh, my martial arts journey was a new year's resolution yeah I mean, man, I, everybody kind of bags on people setting goals like stereotypically, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I set a goal for to listen to a hundred books and I'm on number 44 right now, Ooh. you know, like that was one of my, like, I, I'm going to take this whole year and it's going to take me a while, but I'm going to do it. Um, but man, it goals, like I'm, I'm all about it. I'm a goal setter for sure. Yeah. I'm not like, I'm not necessarily like a, um, six month or a year type goal setter though like i'm a 10 years kind of goal setter you know what i'm saying I, I like to grab one thing and work on it for the next 10 years obsessively did you always approach things that way or did you make a shift to that no that's definitely how i've always been like <clears throat> it's hard for me to stay focused short term but it's ultra easy for me to stay focused long term I, that's all, that's different you know <laughs> like it's weird but like um if you give me something that you need me done to have done in the next three days it's a 97 percent chance i'm going to totally forget about it much less get it done but if you tell me hey i all right here's a task that almost no one will ever accomplish you've got a decade to make it happen I'm like, yo i'm gonna be the best at that so I have long-term stick-to-itiveness and short-term memory failure. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, man, like how did you end up? Um, did you always favor no gi? I know you, I know you've, I've seen you train, um, do some gi seminars and stuff. And, but like, did, did you kind of just were doing no gi and that's what kind of drew you to 10th planet system? Uh, no. Um, I mean, we started out, we had the traditional uniforms and everything at, at our place and so i mean i go to learn from carlos i'd put on the gi if you read something out of a book it's in a gi but the fighting is what drew my interest into it in the first place and there weren't no gis in fighting and then i met eddie um pretty early on in my pursuit so i think i, I might have still been a white belt in karate when i met eddie for the first time so uh yeah that definitely um, swayed my opinion pretty strongly because the first time Eddie put his big old um, hairy paw on me I was like yo I don't know what that is but I need that like you know like that power you feel from somebody who's you know like when you when you don't do jujitsu you expect somebody to grab you and like clutch you you know like they use their thumb and they hold your wrist right but a jujitsu dude they have different ways of using their hand they'll close that elbow in or latch onto you and just like hook right there and I'd never felt nothing like that before. And the way that when he put that big, strong grip on me, I was like, yo, this is an alien human being. And I need that power. I wish to possess this. Was this like a seminar did you, or did you just like yeah, hit up his gym? Nice. No, I didn't know about him the first time. I, I mean, I knew I'd heard the name, but I didn't really know who he was. Um, I just knew that he had beaten a Gracie because somebody told me. That's all I knew. So this was 2006. And um, he was just doing a seminar like an hour and a half away. And my buddy Joe, by the way, named Joe Friday, real name, Joe Friday. Dragnet. <clears throat> yeah. Joe was like, hey, 
And Joe was way, way better than me at this time, for sure. He's like, hey, uh, this guy named Eddie Bravo is teaching um, a seminar not too far. You want to go? I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. Joe's like, yeah, it's going to be good. Okay, Joe, you're way better than me. So I guess let's go. So that's how I met Eddie. Nice. What what year was that? Like, how long has that been now? 10, 2006. 2000, so that was, so yeah, that is like right after you got going. Nice. Yep. Yeah, I think it was that fall. I started in January and I think I met Eddie in that fall. When when was the the first Hoiler fight? Was that in 2003? 2003. Okay. Yeah, that was in Sao Paulo in 2003. Awesome. Like uh recently uh Brent and I watched both of those uh on the podcast and just kind of comment about oh, both the both the Eddie Hoiler fights. I love them. The first one is is so epic. It's so epic, especially like, have you ever watched the uh, the version of it with the Brazilian commentary on the top? Uh, I don't it's think like, so. It was broadcast on their television, so like it was a huge deal. Like it was a packed arena. You know, their Hoyler had never even had a point scored on him in no gi at this time, much less been submitted. And so Eddie was a brown belt. Like who is this dork right here? This little shirtless kid, and he uh he tapped him and it was they pulled him like they pulled eddie off the sideline oh to tell us more to, and he's like i can't believe i won i can't believe it. <laughs> he's a legend he's like crying and stuff yeah well and man you know one thing that's always stood out to me just like reading that story and i don't think i've i think the match has been lost but eddie beat gustavo dantes uh yeah, the round before that and that too is impressive like yeah he, gustavo was a world champion and eddie uh eddie ran him straight through his system uh pulled guard lockdown old school sweep take the back truck Defends the truck, switches off, body triangle, rear naked choke. Nice. Is is there a video of that match out there? Or did There's that no was, video. There's oh, no wow. footage anywhere. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate, too, because that's a, that's the first time I've even heard the the progression of what happened uh, other it, it, than the, he got submitted. Yeah. No, it just what you saw from him in the trial, like you've seen probably most of the trials matches, the ADCC trials matches that he had leading in. Same process. Half guard. Old school, half guard, lockdown, old school, sweep, take the back, twister, or rear naked choke. That's that's what Eddie does. Everybody wants to talk about Eddie's rubber guard, but that's really that's really not the prime game that he plays. That's if you shut down his half guard game, then you get to experience that, but not until you've shut him down. Yeah. That is, uh, I remember when I started training in 06, I went to, we had a seminar at our gym in like probably 07, midway through, and lockdown was hot. That was Red like, hot, I remember, boy. it was. I mean, every, that was like, so I got exposure to it really early on. I know you've been, uh, got a little instructional out or, or something oh, you got yeah. doing right now. Yeah, what, what do you, where can, where can we pick that up? Like, what are you doing with that? Um, well, I just made it kind of like pay what you want. I made the I first, that. first three videos are free. And then I don't know, man, I didn't feel good. Like my idea was like when I was making it before all this happened, uh, I was going to charge a hundred bucks for it. Right. Just a hundred bucks. Still not that bad, but I just didn't feel good in my heart about releasing it like that during this time. You know what I mean? Yeah, so man. I just made it pay what you want. And, um, some people pay full price. Some people will be like, yo, I'm giving you $9 for this, which is cool. Most people are doing like nine bucks. So yeah, if you want to get it, just I'll, I'll shoot you a link. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I need to, to you know, I had, don't you, do you do Daniel's website? I just had him on the podcast. I, I used to, we, when it started, I was using, or Daniel was using me to kind of put it together for him, but he's doing it on his own now. Nice. Yeah, man. Talk. It was awesome talking to him. Do you guys still get to train together? Man, not that much, dude. Um, I, I wish that we got to train together more, but it's no, not really. He's a little far for me to make it conveniently, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, if like if I got something else going on that day, then it kind of I can't go train, you know. And I feel like I've always got something else going on that day. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, and, you know, since I first started following you, man, I would say you've probably gotten more busy. 
right? Like you've yeah, got a lot sure. of stuff going on. I've seen for you sure. cor- corner fights in the UFC, uh, commentating EBIs. Um, what, what, what is some stuff you got going on presently uh, other than putting out, put, putting <laughs> out awesome nothing. instructional? <laughs> other than nothing at all. Uh, dude, I've been playing a lot of Mario Kart. You know, that's been going well. Chorus playing Super Mario World all yeah. yesterday and today. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll get back to the tournaments and stuff eventually. And so I'm, I'll be back to doing the commentary for CJJ EBI. Um, I mean, I don't know when seminars are going to pick back up, dude. That's crazy. That's a crazy thing to think about because yeah. that was a big part of what I was doing. So like regular open tournaments with 200 people in them and seminars. I don't know, man. I don't know when we're going to see that again. So things are going to look different coming back. But as far as what I've got going on personally, dude, I'm just going to double down on giving to my students, you know? Yeah. I train every day. I'm not like even right now, my wife's a black belt. Both my kids train, you know, we got another black belt on staff here. So our employees and my and my family, we've kept training through all this. Same for us. We just locked it. We just locked it down to where we're closed to the public, closed to even to our own students. But our employees, we kept we kept running. So we've been running every day. Nice. What are some things you're doing for your members that like particularly jujitsu? I mean, we've done some zooms, but I'm doing mostly podcasts. Uh, just trying to be instructional. Just trying to be creative. Keep them engaged. Well, I got a ton of material already. Like I got four years of backlogged material, you know, and probably a, a year's worth of material that hadn't even been released yet. So I've just been keeping them. I've just been giving all that to them for free. Just keep up with this stuff here, guys. Of course, I'm available, trying to stay in touch with them. Um, but I mean, there's not much that can be done right now. <clears throat> I did a couple of little Zoom classes for them. And I was like, man, I hate this. I, I really despise I this. Did, I despise I this. I just don't feel like, I don't know, man. I can show you how I stretch. And I can show you a couple of solo movements that you can do. But beyond that, you're not going to get better at jujitsu like this. So one thing that I've been doing is like studying a lot of footage, man, and trying to teach some of the guys how to study tape, you know, how, like not just to watch, but to study tape. Now, that's a huge part of any other professional sport, but it's really overlooked in jujitsu for some reason, at least by the average practitioner. What do you, why do you think that is? You, do you think, uh, man, I know one thing, like I like watching when you commentate because it's like an educational experience. I like, that's why I like Joe Rogan commentating too, is like you get a trained practitioner there. You think we just need better commentators on the sport or like, or like, I do think that we need better commentators, but I don't know that the two are related necessarily. So, like, <clears throat> if you're going to study tape, here's I think you need a formula. I think that's why most people um, don't do it well or they get bored of it or whatever. It's because, like, what am I actually gleaning from this? So I like to have a formula if I'm going to sit down and study tape. And I don't almost don't think it matters what your plan is. You just need a plan, right? So – um, like, let's say I'm going to watch some uh, footage of you versus uh, Jacare in a tournament. All right, it's you versus Jacare. I got this footage of me versus Jacare. All right, there's a little section right here that I want to watch. It's a sweep that you pulled off on Jacare. You like how I'm pumping you up during this? It feels good, right? <laughs> there's a little sweep that Brian pulled off. We're going to just clip that section out or just rewind it over and over slow it down on YouTube, you know, in the little settings gear down there on the bottom, right? And we're going to look for what is his head doing? What are his hands doing? What are his feet doing? Right? Instead of just going, how's he doing that? What is he, was he grabbing him? What is he just flip him over? You know what I mean? Like, that's the way that most people look at video. But you need some kind of pro, like filter to run it through. So, um, Another example of a filter, SBG, this is their, their model. They say uh, pressure, posture, and possibilities. So as you, as you look at something, where, uh, what is his posture like as he performs and executes this cleanly? What's his pressure look like? Where is he driving his pressure? Where is the pressure being driven against him? And then what are the possibilities that could come next? 
So that's another way you could look at tape. Head, hands, feet, pressure, posture, possibilities. Or you could make up your own, really. But there needs to be some thing that you're trying to glean from the study rather than just watching it like an amateur. Does that make sense? Yeah. So Do trying you, to teach the guys how to study film and then studying film with them. And that's things that definitely can be done, maybe just as effectively, maybe more effectively online. Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you have any similar type methods for like when you're coaching, watching your students live or like when you're commentating, like what goes through your head when you're, when you're trying to explain it to, I mean, think about white belts watching those jujitsu, like watching yeah. freaking, uh, soccer or uh Minari the other night right or eddie fivey and jams like they don't know what's going on shit i no. i barely I, like on some of the leg lock transition i mean I've, I've started intensely doing leg locks since purple but like if i was watching that at purple belt i'd be like what are they what's doing that? yeah what is this um when i'm doing commentary no when i'm doing commentary my idea somebody told me like before my very first time just say what you see Okay, great. I can handle that. Uh, they're like, don't try to talk about their past too much. Don't try to talk about what's going to happen or what you think is going to happen. Just say what you see. And I felt like that was, that has proved to be pretty good advice. Uh, at the same time though, I want for you, like not you necessarily, but somebody, some blue belt or white belt that's watching, I want you to understand principally what's trying to be accomplished. They could put their foot in a variety of different places in this particular situation, but principally what's he trying to do he's trying to win the inside space right here if he can win the inside space his foot can go a number of different ways and i can't predict which one of those it's going to be you know his body type his opponent's pressure who knows it might change but what won't change is that he's got to win the inside space or that he's got to he's trying to get to the top here or you know what i mean so big general principle type things and then say what you see for commentary and then when i'm working with my students I definitely have a process, but it's, I'm working through a curriculum with them, like a, a real tight curriculum that I'm trying to get them through. And so I'm looking more for most common errors. And then if they're advanced and they're, they've moved past the common errors then it starts to become a thing where, okay, I need to help you specifically because your pressure is off here or your posture is off here or your hands are not properly basing when they should be or whatever it is going to be. So yeah, situational. Yeah. Well, uh, so here's, here's one thing I wanted to chat with you about is uh, you mentioned solo drills a minute ago and like zoom on the zoom class idea, but man, one thing we started doing three, like right before the shutdown, we got three months in, we, we got with our classes through D, but we started doing the 10th planet warmups oh, and it's, it's taken us a while to learn them. Right. Because we weren't, we weren't doing class like that. So um, but man, that's been something that everybody has kind of been like bragging about, man, bro, I just like, I'll grand beat out of that. Okay. I, <laughs> I, I did that shit. But I'm a grand beat master now, dog. Yeah. I, I know those A's, but <laughs> man, it, it has made an interesting di difference. And man, I, I just think it's a cool model to have chain flow drills whatever you want to call them built into the class and now i really have been following reading articles about how how a lot of 10th planet schools run classes like it just seems unique like i don't see i see that as something 10th planet's doing that's different like are you you guys i'm sure do the warm-ups like how long has that been a thing and like what have you taken away from it so eddie's been trying to push the warm-ups um hard for several years and at HQ, if you go to Eddie's school, that's the opening curriculum. Like if you're trying to come to Eddie's class and you don't know the warm up, he's he's going to be uh, irritated at you. Like you should be in the beginner's class learning this. Don't come to my class and then I got to teach this to you right now. Because what he considers it just bag work, like just hitting the heavy bag, hitting the speed bag. You know what I mean? He just considers the warm ups bag work. Like look, every he's like everybody needs a mount escape. Well, we've got it included in the warm-up. You're going to hit this particular amount of escape. If you come to the classes you're supposed to and participate like you're supposed to, then you'll hit this particular amount of escape. You'll drill it four different on four different occasions this month. Well, over the course of time, that adds up. You know what I mean? 
just like what you're saying. Oh, shoot, I'm Grambian now. Yeah, but you're not spending every day teaching Grambies. You're just putting that into the warm up, get their bodies. Okay, here's the movement. All right, good luck. You got six months. We're going to have this thing figured out by the end of six. But in the meantime, we'll use those at the front of the class. And then I'm going to teach you the, I'm going to teach you for the rest of the class and we're going to drill for the rest of the class. So that's the way Eddie runs his. Um, we did that for a while. We don't do the warmups the way that Eddie prescribes them though. Um, but we do, I do take that idea that I learned from Eddie and we did put that into our school. So what I do is I take one flow. So like, let's take this lockdown stuff that we've been doing, for instance, mm -hmm. I'm going to put together a flow that we're going to open every class with for the course of this month. So it's a one month curriculum, four weeks at the front of every class, you're going to do this flow. And the flow is going to be built out of the things that I think are going to be the most important for you to acquire, like the 80, 20, let's say, or the skills that are going to take the most work to ingrain them into your DNA. We're going to put those into the flow and we're going to start at the top. And that might be complex, but everybody's going to start at zero at the top. And every time you come to class, I want you to give me 25 reps of this flow that you learned. At the beginning, it's going to be ugly. You're only going to get nine of them because it took you so long to remember what it was supposed to be. But by the end of the month, you're going to be hitting 25. And if you just came to class twice a week for four weeks, at the end of the month, you'd have 200 reps on that flow that was strategically put together to make sure that you got the most difficult parts ingrained into your DNA, right? So that's what the first class is every month is I install the flow. So it might be lockdown this month. It might be mount escapes next month or whatever, but we're going to install the flow. Then the next two classes will open with the flow, but I'm not going to teach it to you again. We're going to spend the first 15 minutes with it. And then we're going to move into the 80, 20 or like you're familiar with Pareto's law, Pareto's principle where 20% of the work results and uh, produces 80% of the results, right? So what are, so for the lockdown, for instance, what are the two sweeps you have to know no matter what? No matter how good you are, if you're going to play the lockdown, you got to know these two sweeps. That's the 80-20. So the next two classes, we're going to put those at the top of the month so that you get plenty of reps on the two, that you're, the two sweeps you're going to see the most often. And then we're going to start taking next steps from there in the rest of the classes, digging in deeper, building on those foundation that we laid in the first three classes. So that's how I use the principle of warmups is uh, we're going to hit the heavy bag, but we're going to hit the heavy bag this month over and over and over this way. Does that mean? We're going to practice our left hook all month, if yeah. that makes sense. Nice. You have any other methods you like modify or like that are, uniquely sort of tailored to your class and your people and the way you teach? No, man. I mean, I run my, that's, that's pretty much exactly the way I run my curriculum right now. I mean, you know, you can break it down and get it a little tighter than that. Um, but it would just depend on the, the subject matter. How you, how do you guys do your rolling? Like, uh, f like free roll, you do spider web, start from the back. Oh, that's a great question. So we do a ton of situational sparring here. That's a, Excuse me. I've been drinking this Diet Mountain Dew. Got me burping. Bro, I, I, I was on my second coffee, cold brew. Was... See, I'm too – I just – I'm not – I don't like coffee. Is that weird? You're better because of it, man. I read this book. You think – but I'm drinking Diet Mountain Dew. That ain't better. Yeah. I mean, I do but love it's, aspartame it's diet. Though. It sounds good. This aspartame is so delicious. I don't know why. Uh, what were we talking about? Jiu-jitsu? Rolling. Free rolling uh, oh, yeah, versus yeah. Uh, situational. <clears throat> So I believe in uh, being on the mat a lot. That's my main, that's my main theory. Like I got one theory, it's get as many mat hours as possible, right? In whatever variety those come to you, that's fine. But for me, for my students, we push situational sparring really hard. So like six o'clock beginners class, 7.15. So six o'clock beginners. All right, we got 60 people on the mat, learning the beginners, learning that flow, working on that 80-20. Then at the end of beginner's class, okay, everybody gives me three rounds, three five-minute rounds, no matter what. No matter how beginner you are, you're going to give me three five-minute rounds. Got it? Okay, good. All right, beginners, good job, guys. Slap, bump. You're dismissed. Feel free to stay if you want. Advanced. Pair it up. One guy on top with an underhook, one guy on bottom, flat on his back with the lockdown. 
uh, ready, go. And we're going to situational spar until that situation. And I'll set the parameters. When the situation breaks, then we'll reset or flip top to bottom, whatever it's going to be. But our advanced class has no teaching in it, zero teaching. It, in zero rolling, it's only situational spar. Nice. See, that's interesting because we Yeah, I've we, never seen that anywhere else. Yeah, no, it's actually uh, – the. The places I've been looking into is we just got the new building and have like four places to have class if you count the yoga room. So we can run three classes at once. So like my classes aren't as crowded, we can do more. So we built in an extra uh, time after the, just the fundamentals jujitsu class for, for rolling or situational or whatever. But a lot of people are doing the situational with the beginners and doing the free rolling after. But I actually like, I like what you're saying with, you know, that's like the advanced part. Like, Hey, get this real, like lockdown with an underhook. Get there. Yeah. Go. I feel like situational sparring is so much more productive when you already know something about the possibilities. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. now situational sparring is super productive for beginners as well because they can kind of, it takes the, what Eddie says about situational sparring is it takes the ego out of the game pretty much entirely. Because if you like, okay, I got to jump into your mount. I'm going to play from the bottom of your mount, right? Well, if you tap me, well, it's not that big a deal, dude. You started on the mount with a hand in my collar. You know what I mean? Like, of course, you're going to get some taps on me every now and then. You're a black belt, dude. That's what I, you know, I'm just sharpening this thing. So it doesn't sting the ego as bad during situational sparring. I'm willing to open up a little more, try some things, take some L's I wouldn't have normally taken. And that trains you to take that spirit back into the free rolling and use it with the beginners. Open your game up a little bit with the beginners. So what if this blue belt sweeps you, bro? Who cares? It's, it's a game that we're playing. It's, a, it's an idea that we're trying to learn rather than a, a game of death. You know? yeah. Man, one but thing. Now, having said that, we roll a ton at our school. A ton. Just the yeah. advanced class, there's no rolling until after class is over. But um, – we go an hour like if it's so like the day class um we're gonna i'm gonna teach and drill at noon and then at one we're gonna roll for at least an hour just you know if you got to leave you got to sit out around no problem just you're done mm -hmm. you know like stay on the mat until you gotta go <laughs> so I, i'm a huge believer even if you don't have a coach the mat and the resistance is going to teach you eventually over time. I just feel like that, that was, I'm a case in point of that. Like I didn't have a coach standing over me every day. You know what I mean? I just was on the mat nonstop and putting it out in competition to see if it was working. Yeah. Do you do any type of um, conditioning or anything outside of your jujitsu training? Me personally? No, I don't do anything except you. I mean, I started jujitsu because I wouldn't do that other stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I'm a terrible example to people in that regard. It's definitely like a do as I say, not as I do thing. Having said that, uh, I do think it's super important if you're going to be a competitor. <clears throat> but like the reason that I signed up for jujitsu I still get that out of it. Like, I just want to be in shape, just do a better, you know, I don't want to be unhealthy. So for me, it was never about competing or even beating you. I really didn't, ex I didn't, I don't know, dude, I didn't expect to be on the mat with a black belt ever. You know what I'm like? I just wanted to learn martial arts and hang out with my wife and not be fat no more. So for me, it's like any kind of training is just a blessing. So I, I don't know. I don't, um, I don't get too excited about the conditioning. I hate doing it, bro. I hate doing it. I figure I'll just get better. Yeah. So, oh, oh, you're big and strong. Well, that's cool. I'll just be better than you. And then you can be big and strong at the same time. How about that? Yeah, man. One thing uh, Daniel was talking about the other day that, that got me thinking about what you're saying is he was, he was like, man, I'll just like go kill myself. And then I'll go train and I can't even grip your collar. Yeah, like, does do that. It's not even a thing I can do now. So then now I have to like, uh, but you're getting in that same mindset via a different route of like, man, like an hour noon class, an hour rolling, and then you're going to come back and do it again later. That's yeah. I'm going to do that twice a day, you know, for sure. And, and I'm not gonna, 
I'm not going to let you know that I'm not willing to use all this strength. Like you're going to come at me hard. Right. But I still have to find a way to make the technique beat you because I'm not going to, if I come back at you hard, I'm just going to wear myself out. And so I'm definitely a believer in old age and treachery. You know what I'm saying? Man, you do have such a smooth game. And like, I, I, it's a soft, I have a soft touch. Very much so. I mean, we've rolled together just when you came down for the seminar, but like going back, when was that video of that uh, wrestler that Dojo stormed you essentially? (laughs) Uh, I can't remember what year it was, but I was a, I was a brown belt. I think I was a pretty new brown belt. What did you were super smooth back then? Like hitting that, um, that didn't you like ghost out and Darsim from underside yeah, or something? Remember, it was beautiful. Was like, stuff. Just, it was just so smooth. And that's like kind of like one thing I've always noticed about Daniel and we were kind of talking about when you were up here is he just is very like soft and flowing. I haven't rolled with him, but at the same time, wow. you can turn on the pressure and it looks like he sure as hell can too with posture. and Yeah, yeah. Daniel is – Daniel's been a real influence on my game for sure over the years. Really, you know what? I shouldn't even say on my game because really I don't do any of the moves that Daniel does. And if he does something, I probably do it the opposite way. But the way that his mind, he taught, he's taught me a little bit more about how to think about jujitsu in a way that I would consider that's the proper way to think about it. And so in that regard, he's been a tremendous influence on my game, even though really our games are very disparate, you know, uh, same thing for Eddie. Interesting. Yeah, same thing for Eddie. I don't. Um, I take. I take a lot of, but the opposite side. I have a lot of Eddie's moves that I do, but I don't do them from the same place that Eddie does them from. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah. So like, oh, he's gonna rip his foot up and uh, use his flexibility to pull you down into the rubber guard. Well, I'm not gonna do that. Like, if I have to rip on my flexibility, I'm probably, I'd probably just rather move my hip. You know. That, that's me but i'm gonna do the same thing that eddie would have done in that situation i'm just gonna approach it from a different mindset whereas i'm almost never gonna do what daniel would have done but i am gonna approach it from the same mindset if that makes sense i know that's kind of weird it, well it man you said something earlier you said principally you you know talking in like principles and concepts and been just that one seminar and seeing like I think like I've seen you in a video talk about rubber guard in a way that changed the position entirely for me about just kind of hugging both your knee and your foot mm-hmm. but you're not pulling your foot to your face that is yeah. man and I was always I doing that you put me in a spot where I feel like it's the last recourse that I have I am super flexible the same way that Eddie is and so I can just rip my foot down in front of your face if that's what it comes to but I th- I generally would rather lose. I'd rather lose than have to resort to that most of the time. And when I do find myself like muscling you, like muscling is the big guy's version, but being flexible and fast, that's the little guy's version, right? Nobody yells at little people for being flexible though, for some reason, but everyone wants to yell at big guys for being strong, but it's the same exact error, right? Because you're closing, like if there's a gap between you and I technically or in this one moment right here, oh God, Brian's mounted on me and he's about to choke me. I'm behind by this much. I don't know if this is a video or not, but I'm behind by this much. Well, how do I close that gap? If I close it with strength, doesn't mean the gap doesn't close, but I didn't use jujitsu to close the gap. If there's a gap and I close it with my flexibility, that doesn't mean that the gap won't close and it doesn't mean I won't win but it does mean that I didn't use jujitsu to close the gap. So so in that moment, I lost faith in my jujitsu because of panicked or I got upset or I got behind or I just didn't know what to do. But I knew that jujitsu, my jujitsu wasn't good enough to close the gap. And so I went to my strength instead, or I went to my speed or my flexibility. And to me, that's an unacceptable bargain in training. I'm unwilling to close the gap with my attributes. If I do, I would just consider that a loss. That's the same as, as you tapping me in my heart. And so if I can't close the gap, technically I must improve. And the only way to, I'm not going to improve the technical gap closing by closing it in some other way. I'd rather take the L and figure out what went wrong. And that's an, that's a profound mindset. I don't know if it's profound, but it's from the country boy. Yeah, that's some southern jiu-jitsu yeah 
Yeah, uh, man, but that is, that is, that's a very interesting way of looking at it because man, everybody has attributes. Everybody kind of, I've heard a lot like, you know, you, you don't use strength in jujitsu and, or you're not supposed to rather, but it's right. like, it's so easy to default. Like, Oh, I'm just going to flex and bust out of this just a little bit. Just, just this one time. Fish tacos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's how you do me. Oh man. But it, that is, um, man, that's, that's an interesting mindset for sure. Uh, I think it's important, man. I think it's um, crucial. Like whatever art that you're studying, if you're trying to become a tr- like a true master of that, whether it's music or, well, let's just say you're playing the guitar. You get through this fast passage that you're trying to learn and all of a sudden your fingers start. Blah, 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 blah. Well, do you just skip that part and like start hitting the guitar harder because you could, your fingers couldn't keep up and you didn't have the technical prowess? Well, I mean, a lot of people would, a lot of people will choose that, <laughs> but I, you don't improve your guitar skill that way. You improve how you cover up your errors that way. You get good at, at not letting people see your errors. It doesn't make sense. They, yeah, they can't yeah, yeah. see your deficiencies, but the deficiencies are still there. Uh, my friend, Charles, he's a judge here in town. We grew up together. He's, he's uh, so if I get, if I get arrested for doing jujitsu in the future, he'll be my guy. I got to go see, uh, jiu-jitsu is illegal now so it's a real possibility but he was telling me something that he learned in law school and i think this applies directly to learning jiu-jitsu he said um when you don't have the facts pound the law so like you're in a situation where okay i don't know exactly what happened on this situation then we're gonna pound the law the law says this the law says this now what are the facts i don't know but the law says this Let's derive, let's learn, let's win the case by pounding the law. He said, but when you don't have the law, you pound the table. And that's what most people do in jujitsu. They don't have the technique, so they pound the table. You know what I'm saying? Uh, You don't have the facts, pound the law. You don't have the law, pound the table. That's called freaking out is what that's called. And there's no, you don't improve your knowledge of the law by pounding the table. For sure. For sure. I mean, you talk about attributes, like, uh, one thing I, like we talked about this when you, when you were down, I've seen you just in some videos, but don't you have like a hand injury or something like where you, you don't have like full mobility in your hand or something. Is that something that's affected you or, or sort of assisted you in the creation of this mindset and style and approach you have? Um, I do have, I just have like a little wrist injury. I have full mobility. I just don't have a lot of strength in that, and the flexion of that wrist. Yeah, wasn't like isn't there something common you'd like do differently or something like a Darce like this or something like that? Have I uh, seen well, you I do? always put it on uh, in a Darce because of that. I actually broke my hand a couple of times, like not knowing how to do Darce chokes right, just squeezing my my hand like that. But I always lock it up on the wrist, for sure. But then and you just you don't do that because your hand. You just do that because. Um, I just do it because it's technically better to do it that way. I think. All right. Um. Jean Jacques has, of course, has the hand situation. Yeah. You know, he's got the man, he's got the little nubby nubs. I'll give you an example of him doing that. I don't know if I can give you an example of me doing it. Um, but he was showing something on an arm drag one time when I was probably a blue belt. He was showing us something about an arm drag. And so, uh, imagine I have your right wrist with my left hand. I'm going to guide it across my body, reach behind your tricep with my right hand, right, to make the arm drag. I'm going to pull you across my body there. Well, when he goes through with his right hand, there's no fingers to grip the back of your tricep. So he makes the movement on the arm drag, but then instead of pulling you you with the arm, instead of pulling on your tricep, he uses the wrist to open the elbow to the outside and the elbow's the lever to the shoulder. So that opens up the whole body. So he starts to drag you and then opens your elbow and you fall right into the hole. So that's another that's an example of what you're talking about, how you have to modify to meet what's in front of you yeah man that is i I remember when i first noticed john jock had that issue with his hand he was showing i was a video i was watching probably blue belt at the time and he was showing collar chokes and i was like dude he can grab your collar with that little nub bro yeah amazing yeah john jock he was here when i was a blue belt he stayed at my house for a weekend and i had mats in my garage at that time and that 
old man beat my tail for three days straight. And he kept taking that nub and jamming it in my neck. Just, <laughs> just roughed me up. He was, it was an awesome experience though. It was definitely really, really good for me as a young grappler. Did you, did you feed him biscuits and gravy or anything cool while he was here? Uh, dude, let me tell you what had happened was you remember, you may not remember, but as a, as an Arkansas man, you'll sympathize with this. Get a lot of tornadoes around these parts. Oh, we've been getting wrecked with yeah. them. Yeah, y'all get it even worse than we do. But um, Decatur never really gets it because we sit in a valley. Um, but it passes us, but it goes above us. It goes below us. So somebody around us always gets tore down. And so when I was a blue – I can't remember the year, maybe 2009 or 2010, something, 2010 maybe. Definitely two, at least 2010. Um, a big tornado came through. Um, just devastated everything around here power was out for over a week there was no gas we didn't have water like everything was down all the business like just like now except all the businesses were closed because they were broken not because there was no invisible closing it was a very visible closing people lined up trying to get gas at the one place that had it It'd be like a four-hour wait for gas like that kind of stuff right so uh, that was the weekend John Jacques was coming into town. He was oh, like, my oh, goodness, no. man. So um, about three days out, I called him and I was like, John Jacques, this is, um, it's not looking good. You know, half the people that were coming have already canceled. Um, just, we're not going to have power or running water when you get here. And he goes, oh, my friend, it's going to be like to when we train in Brazil by the candle light. And so he knows what he's walking into and he comes anyway. Wow. When he gets here, they lose his bag promptly. No gi, no rash guards, no change of underwear. <laughs> like, uh, so I was like, oh my God. So we get to the hotel. Oh, I'm sorry. We've canceled all reservations at the hotel. Oh my God. What is happening? Sean Jacques, I got an extra bed. I got two kids, but I'll put them both in the same room and you can have a twin bed. He said, oh, it's going to be fine, my friend. The man never dropped a smile from his face. And so he hung out with me all weekend at the house. He did those seminars without power, uh, by, like by the light of the windows, you know, and uh, it was dope. But yeah, my little girl, uh, she was a baby girl at the time. She's 12 now. She was a baby at the time. And so we were still like, oh, feeding her. You know, she was sitting in her high chair. And Jean-Jacques was helping me grill chicken in the backyard, bro. And so we're out grilling chicken with Jean-Jacques Machado. We come in and Logan won't eat. And Jean-Jacques goes, oh, I'm going to just to send the airplane to you. And he's, you know, he's doing like the airplane thing with my daughter. And he looks over at my son, who's probably four or five at the time. And he goes, kill her when you grow up, what are you going to be? And Keller, you know, he gives the answer, whatever he said at the time. And Jean-Jacques goes, no, no, you're going to be a legend. And probably for the next five years, if anybody asked my son, hey, what are you going to be when you grow up? He'd go, I'm going to be a legend. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the greatest gift you ever gave him. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. So, that's yeah, we had a great tale. time. And he beat my tail for three or four straight days. Man, forged in the fire. That is, that's an amazing uh, story to get. To, like what you said, you were a blue purple belt at the time. I was a blue belt. Yeah. Whew, that's awesome. I've never got to train with John Jock. Uh, but so incredible. So much. I, oh, I, I watched Daniel was a brown belt at that time. And Daniel was there um, at the seminar over the weekend. And I got to watch him roll with John Jock. And uh, they got done rolling. John Jock goes, who is this kid? He's good. You know, it was a real fun, real fun to watch. Jean-Jacques ended up getting him, of course, you know, but uh, he, he was very impressed with Daniel. He's like, who is this kid? Yeah. Well, man, you have trained also a little bit uh, with Hickson, have you not? I have. I don't know Hickson personally, of course, but uh, I have had opportunity to like sit down, have dinner with him, go to a couple of seminars. I've been at least one seminar at every belt level with Hickson. Do you, do you feel like you pick, you took some things away from that that were influential? Yeah, no doubt. I'm definitely a, a Kool-Aid drinker for Hickson. Me too. I definitely drink the Kool-Aid. A lot of people don't, man, but I think they probably haven't felt and experienced. 
Uh, so I'll give you four. Uh, also a blue belt. Um, Hickson was doing a seminar at somebody's school up in Nashville, and there was only 15 spots. Right, so it's like 250 dollars, but there's only 15 spots. Well, somebody lost their spot somehow, and I can't even remember who it was. Reached out to me, he's like, "Yo, do you want this spot?" And I was like, "I'll be there." So it's like the next day, I was like, "I'll be there." Didn't have no money, so I had to scrape it up. Right. Uh, well, get up there, and he's using everybody during the course of the seminar. He's going to demonstrate. Everybody gets to be the uki, but no matter who he picked, he never said my partner or the uki or brandon or this guy every time he referred to his partner he would go okay and now the zebra just to do this and every time he referred to himself he said and now the lion just to apply the shock for three hours the zebra and the lion it was horrifying horrifying and <laughs> like he got um he was demonstrating with me i was on the bottom of mount and when he went and put his hand in my collar, I just felt like a magical, like, wall of human. It was horrifying. And then he's got his hand in my collar. He's looking me in my face. He goes, the zebra and the lion. <laughs> oh, my God, don't kill me. He's oh, a scary man. person. But, but uh, he was actually really cool. I, I never heard too many. You know, you hear some things about guys sometimes, you know, don't meet your idols, don't meet your heroes, but I've definitely not had that experience with Hickson. It's been, it's been a good experience every time. Yeah, man, I tell everybody, I've got to attend two Hickson seminars. And then there's a guy that's, I've become great friends with over the years named Jack Toffer, who's a Dave comma black belt. I mean, he's trained. I know this name, but I've never met him. I'm familiar with the guy though. He's tra man. He's trained with the who's who, but is trained and still does privates with Hickson like awesome. semi regularly, like several a year. And apparently, Hickson privates like a three or four hour ordeal. That but, sounds good. Uh, I'm yeah, into that. but man, I will say though, just like the style of teaching, I tell everybody this because when you were commenting on uh, commentating on EBI, I was like, that dude there is the third best seminar I've ever been to. It was like, it was Hickson and then Jack, because Jack's just doing Hickson shit. Like yeah. he will not, he's just like, oh, I learned all this from Hickson. I just do this stuff right here that I learned from him. That's the only stuff I teach at the seminars. So, you know, and it's stuff that's out of the book and on the self-defense unit and all that. But, um, so it's, it's really good jujitsu and it's, it's just that flavor, but man, you have a very similar taste going on, you know, yeah, like with a different set of techniques usually. Yeah, but man, that guard passing you were showing, like I was using that rolling with the black belt yesterday. Um, just like the, the hips and like how you're kind of just like, hey, do, do, do this so you don't get put in a guillotine. You know, hold your posture this way. Just a very conceptual posture-based distribution of weight. Like the stuff you were talking about applied to everything, all the techniques. That's the idea, right? If, it, if it's true in situation A and it's true in situation Z, it's always true. That's why it's true in these two. And you can, if you can identify a truth that, oh, it's true in these two opposite situations, you can almost certainly apply it across the board now to some things you would have never thought about. But if posture is important here and posture is important here, we can, we can extrapolate that posture is always important. Mm -hmm. So then when I'm on the bottom of deep half guard, posture is still important. So by giving my attention to something so simple as just where's my posture, I can improve my technique. I don't know. I don't want to assign a number to it necessarily, but like 30% just by paying attention to this one base principle that we heard on day one when somebody grabbed our head in a guillotine. Posture up. Okay. Well, that's always true. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I think that um, – most of the time when people see or they see my jujitsu or I'm teaching a seminar, if they haven't rolled with me first or felt what I'm talking about, it can sometimes take a little while to get the ball rolling and to get them to understand what I'm trying to, to get at. So usually I like to come in and roll with guys before the seminar. Rolling with them after is not as effective because um, they're not going to then – they don't take the information in the same way. Yeah. Right? But if I can get some guys on the mat first and then teach the seminar, they're usually really eager to hear 
what I have to say after they felt, even if, even if I, maybe I didn't even tap them, they're going to feel something that they probably haven't felt before, especially from a 10th planet guy. Yeah. So I'm not even saying that I'm good, but I do have a unique game, definitely a different, different way that I do it, particularly amongst the 10th planet folk. Man, one thing, it was super interesting. Like we didn't roll before we rolled after. I, I don't remember. I think it's like timing and when you got into town or something. Like yeah, I think I, I only but, rolled with Seth the night before. Yeah. Yeah. Got but, rough uh, yeah, man, he's wrestling in college now. So you better be doing uh, something. listen, yeah. Seth, you better do something. I'm coming for your head. Yeah. Shout out to Seth and Brent and anybody, anybody listening that's uh, trained with either one of us. But, um, man, one thing interesting about that, there were a few black belts at that seminar. Um, I think there were three or four, but I joked with people afterwards. They were like, what did he, what did he show? I was like, man, he only taught one technique, this little punch joke. Uh, and everything else is real conceptual, but you were like, Hey, you know, stop me from passing your guard. And I would throw things up. I was put my butterfly cause you moved a little bit past what I was trying to do, but you, you were just doing what you were teaching. And then you were doing it on everybody, <laughs> yeah, but it, you know, and you were like, well, stop me. Come on. And, and it was just, that was very interesting to see of just like, man, if I could have stopped you from passing, I really was trying. And I know like you did that on this dude, Nathan Kirby, that was there. It's a big fan of yours, uh, which is that dude's like 260 pounds or something. Yeah. He's a monster. He's he such is. a nice guy though. He was so kind. I like yeah. him a lot. His son's a super good fighter, man. I've seen his son fight a couple of times now. Yeah. Uh, a- Ashton? Is that Ashton. Right? Ashley? Mm-hmm. Ashton? Yeah. Good. Yeah. He's really good. Yeah, I'm going to – I sent him a message that I hadn't hear back from him just because, man, like, he brought a bunch of guys to that seminar. I told him, I was like, hey, man, I'm about to have BMAC on if you got any questions. But I need to have a podcast with him just because he's got a interesting stories, had pro MMA career, and I bet we see some great things out of his uh, – he has two sons, actually, too. So He's a big, scary boy. That's a big, yeah. scary man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's always been a, a big fan of 10th Planet. I remember I went He to was real well-versed. Yeah, he yeah. was real well-versed. He had good questions. I remember, like, after the fact, he had really good questions about some of the lockdown and half-guard material specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, what's it like? Uh, I know you re- somewhat recently promoted your wife to bite belt. Uh, what's it like having a bite belt wife? Mine's going to get promoted sometime the next year as well. Well, it's, uh, it's nice, except she beats me up rather regularly. Um, my neck, in fact, pretty sore right now from a guillotine choke. So, uh, well, I say it's a choke. It's not a choke. She does like a neck-breaking guillotine. I don't want to talk about it. She's not a nice person. That's what. She's a bad person. She's so weird. Right. She's standing right over there listening. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she's super good. Well, she's my main training partner for, you know, approaching 15 years now. So she's the best, man. Um, and she's an actual athlete. You know, I was talking about how I hate strength and conditioning. Well, she's a real athlete, bro. So she's six packing it up and lifting in the gym and she's definitely stronger than me it's it's really unfortunate really so i hate training with her if i'm being real honest she's the worst core is real real similar for me man she's <laughs> ripping my shit off punches me in the liver in the kitchen while we're making dinner and well i'm into that i'm into i'm into a good liver punch while i'm trying to fix some rice aroni <laughs> oh man well uh dude Man, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and uh, chat with me, man. Uh, you've been a real big influence on my game, and I, I can't. I'm looking forward to getting trained with you again. If if I can't have you in soon because of the virus or something, like we got bogged down with our move and selling our building and remodeling the new one, and I, we're talking about it back before the end of the year. But man, just didn't get a chance to lock down a date. But I would love to train with you again, Brandon. Dude, I, I'm super into it and we'll play music again next time too hey yeah that was a blast as well yeah i've been playing a lot of guitar lately so i'll, nice. I'll be better better rehearsed next time when a couple of guys that uh have talked about over the summer i'm not teaching any college classes this summer about taking a trip and maybe trying to hit you and daniel Bryan both up oh man well twofer. so daniel's if you're coming in daniel like on the day on the every day he's a little far but if it's just like yo let's slide over to daniel's next week super easy to do that it's only about a 45 minutes to an hour away 
Nice. So yeah, man. Um, and he would be pumped to see you. He's a great dude. Great guy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, right on, bro. Well, I appreciate it. I'll uh, shoot you a link and stuff uh, when I get this all edited and scheduled. So, yeah, dude. Well, can, it, I, can I do anything for you, man? Uh, just keep putting out awesome content, man. I love your group. Uh, I love all the stuff you share on Facebook, and man, you're doing a great job. Just keep doing what you're oh, doing. Thanks, man. Tell Corey okay. I said what's going on. Hey, right on, bro. All right, peace, bro. Appreciate it.